Church, we have two readings this morning. The first one is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Our second reading comes from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. My name is Adam and it's great to see you all and to be together this morning as we now come to open up God's Word, and I want to begin by asking you somewhat of a a personal question. Do you have joy? Do you have joy? If we were to ask the, the people closest to you, would they say that you are a joyful person? If an outside observer came in among us, would they say that we are a joyful church? Would the average Aussie say that Christians are generally joyful people? Now, I don't know how you would answer those questions, but they are incredibly important questions because joy is an incredibly important part of the Christian life. In fact, joy is one of the defining characteristics of a Christ follower. Now, you might be wondering, well, what is joy? That's a great question because joy is not quite the same as happiness. To put it simply, happiness depends on what happens to you. So if good things are happening in your life, you will be happy. If bad things are happening in your life, you probably won't be happy. And of course, that makes sense. Of course, we're all going to be happier if life is going well. But the Bible would say joy goes deeper than that. Joy is not about what 
happens to you, but rather joy is about what or who is within you. Joy is to know the the presence of God, the goodness and the, the grace of God in your life. And this means that you can have joy even when life is not going well. Because joy is not the fruit of favorable circumstances. It's not the fruit of a positive personality. It's the fruit of God's spirit within us. Now, last week, we kicked off a a sermon series called A Beautiful Life, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. And what we saw is that the fruit of the Spirit are those characteristics that God is growing in our lives through the power and the presence of His Spirit. Like we said last week, the fruit of the Spirit really describes Christian character. It is the defining characteristics of what it means to be a Christian. Now, last week, we looked at love. And we saw that love is the greatest and the most important of the fruit because the rest are really expressions of love. If you missed last week, let me just encourage you to listen on the podcast. It really sets up the the rest of the series. This week, as I've already mentioned, we come to the next on the list. We come to joy. And it makes sense that joy comes after love because joy is the effect, the result of God's love in our lives. When we know that God loves us, when we know all that God has done for us, we experience a deep sense of joy. I mean, can you think back to the first time when your eyes were awakened to who Jesus really is? When your heart was opened to the reality of God's love for you, do you remember the joy that you felt in that moment? This is exactly what Peter tells us in the passage we just read from 1 Peter chapter 1. He lays out for us the blessings of when we put our faith in Jesus. We receive God's mercy. We have new life with God. We have a glorious future. God is our protector. And he says the result of all of this is that we are filled with a glorious and inexpressible joy. To be a Christian is to be filled with joy because we have every reason to be joyful. We have the assurance of God's love, the certainty of forgiveness, the presence of God's spirit, and the guarantee of eternal life. We have every reason to be joyful. And this is kind of why a Christian without joy is kind of like a sugar-free dessert. Just doesn't make sense. It's not quite right. Hey, Carla. Now, I think this is important to point out because we tend to think that to be spiritual means to be serious. To be holy means to be humorless. And of course, we should worship God with reverence. But the fruit of the Spirit is not seriousness. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. C.S. Lewis once said, and I love this, he said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Let me say that again. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And this is why the Bible even commands us to be joyful, tells us to be joyful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, we're told. Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, 
Rejoice. Joy is not an optional extra in the Christian life, an add-on that you can kind of take or leave. Joy is not something nice but unnecessary. Joy is one of the defining characteristics of a Christ follower. And this is why when the, the needle dips on your joy gauge, when you start to lose your joy in Christ, you need to pay attention. It's telling you something important. In fact, it's kind of like the yellow canaries in a coal mine. Now, many of you, I'm sure, would know that coal mining is dangerous because the underground tunnels can kind of fill up with harmful gases without the miners even realising. And it can lead to suffocation. It can even lead to an explosion. And so in the early days of coal mining, they came up with an effective and low-cost solution. They brought yellow canaries down into the mines. You see, a canary is especially sensitive to air quality. And so if the yellow canary is singing and chirping, then the miners know that everything's okay. The air quality is fine. But if the canary stops singing, it maybe falls to the bottom of the cage, it tells the miners that something's not right. It alerts them to danger. Now, Christian joy is kind of like the yellow canary. When our hearts stop singing, when we lose our joy in Christ, we should pay attention. We need to take note. It's telling us something important. And so this is what I want us to do just briefly this morning. I want us to pay attention to our hearts and to our lives. I want us to ask the question, do I have joy? Is there joy in my relationship with God? And if not, why not? And how can I cultivate joy in my relationship with God? Now, to answer these important questions, I just want to point out three simple truths about joy that we get from the Bible. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. It's very simply that joy is found in relationship with God. Joy is found in relationship with God. Now, most people, I would think, don't put God and joy together. In fact, most Aussies would tend to think of the opposite, that God is a killjoy. He wants to stop us from enjoying ourselves. He's always frowning. He's always upset with us. But thankfully, the Bible tells us that the opposite is true, that God is filled with joy, that God overflows with joy, that God is the source of joy. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit, remember what we heard last week, they reflect the character of God. The God of the Bible is a God who is filled with joy. It's what we read in Psalm 16, verse 11, for example. You make known to me, the psalmist writes, the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The God of the Bible is a God of joy and pleasure. And the only way to find true and lasting joy is in relationship with him. And in fact, this is exactly why Jesus came from heaven to earth. He came so that we who are far from God might become children of God and enter into the joy of relationship with God. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 10 verse 10? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another time Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
Jesus did not come to suck the joy out of life. Jesus came to give us true and lasting joy because he came to bring us into relationship with the God who is the source of joy. But here's the thing. Though the Bible very clearly tells us this truth, we don't always experience this reality in our lives. I mean, if we're honest, I'm sure many of us would admit that our relationship with God is lacking in joy. Now, why is that the case? Why can joy be so elusive for so many of us? Well, I think part of the answer is that many of us have been seduced by the lie, the lie of our spiritual enemy, the lie of our world, that we need something or someone other than God to be truly happy, to have true joy in life. I mean, we are told again and again and again that if we, need, if we want to have joy, we need to pursue pleasure. We need to achieve success. We need to boost our status. We need to put ourselves first. Is that not the message we, we hear? And I would simply ask, well, how's it working out for us? Do we live in a society that is joyful, peaceful, and contented? According to Beyond Blue, in every 12-month period, 2 million Australians will experience anxiety. Not just being worried, but genuine, diagnosable anxiety. We've been lied to about where to find joy. We've been told to put our ladders against the wrong wall. You know, I read a fascinating interview this week with a, a man named James O'Connor. Now, James O'Connor is a professional rugby player. He plays for the Queensland Reds, and he's played for the Wallabies in the past. Now, when he was young, he was quite a prodigy. In fact, he signed his first professional contract when he was just a teenager. And he was asked the question in this interview, what kind of pressure did signing a professional contract at the age of 17 place on you as a young man? To which he replied, none at that age. It's your passion. You want to follow that passion. It's more when you get to the top and you achieve things that you think are going to define you. You play in a World Cup and you think, once I achieve that, I'll be at peace. When I was around the age of 22 or 23, I'd experienced all these things. I thought I'd get fulfillment from, but there was nothing. There was nothing there. I had to go back to the drawing board and think, without rugby, who am I? That was a big question for me. Now, James O'Connor had everything. Fame, riches, pleasure. I mean, he'd climbed higher up the ladder than most of us probably have. But when he got to the top, he said, there's nothing there. I didn't find the joy, the fulfillment, the peace that I thought I would find, that I was told I would find. Now, what about you? It might not be riches and fame and, and, and professional rugby, but maybe you think, if I can just get into that uni course, if I can just get a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I can just get married, if I can just get that promotion, if I can just get that pay rise, just get that slightly bigger house, then I'll finally have joy. Now, friends, those are good things. They're gifts from God, but they're not God. And they will not give us true and lasting joy. Because true joy is only found in the God who made us. The God who does not demand that we climb a ladder to reach up to him, but the God who descends to us and reaches out to us in Jesus. 
Now this means if we're lacking in joy, it might be because we're not cultivating our relationship with God. We're not drawing on the deep well of joy in God. You know, George Muller was an orphanage director in England. He's quite well known for his amazing faith and his really effective ministry. He he served and ministered to over 10,000 orphans during his life. Just an incredible man. Now, he had a lot on his plate, but he would say that his first priority every day was joy. Listen to what he writes. He says, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner life might be nourished. If we're lacking in joy, it might be because we're not nourishing our inner life. We're not drawing on the deep well of joy in God. It might also be, if we're lacking in joy, because we've allowed sin to disrupt our communion with God. You know, King David, we looked at his life last year, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he wrote in Psalm 32 that his sin caused him to waste away, to groan, to lose his strength. Now, if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you can relate to that. And this is why at the end of Psalm 51, which is written around the same time, David finishes by saying, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Some of us might need to go home today and read Psalm 51 and then pray it back to God and say, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because true joy is found in relationship with God. But we must also, and this is the second point, point out. Joy is found in relationship with God and joy is also cultivated by focusing on others. Now, I don't mean that we cultivate joy by focusing on what others have. It was Theodore Roosevelt, the former US president, who said, comparison is the thief of joy. And he was right. Now, sadly, with the rise of social media in our day and age, we are more aware of what other people have than ever before. I mean, every day we scroll through post after post, photo after photo, looking at what other people have, what other people do, where other people go, and it does not lead us to joy. It leaves us actually feeling dissatisfied and envious. But if we want to cultivate joy, we do not focus on what others have, we focus on what God has given to us and how we can help and serve others. I mean, think about the most joyful person you know. Bring that person to to mind. I bet that it's a person who focuses on others, who serves others, who gives themselves away for others. This is the path to true joy because this is the path that Jesus walked. Jesus was God in the flesh and he came from heaven to earth not to be served, but to serve. True joy is found in focusing on others. And I think the classic example of this is Ebenezer Scrooge. Now, if you don't know, Ebenezer is the main character from A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. He is a tight-fisted, greedy, grumpy curmudgeon. Doesn't let his workers have extra coal in the fireplace to keep them warm. Doesn't even, he barely gives them the day off for Christmas. 
But then, on the night before Christmas, he has, he's haunted with visions of his past, his present, and his future, and he sees his miserable selfishness. And it brings about an incredible transformation, doesn't it? You know the story. The next day, he overflows in compassion and generosity, and it leads to an explosion of joy in his life and in the life of those around him. You see, it's so counterintuitive to us. We think if we want joy, we've got to look out for ourselves, do what we want, put ourselves first. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. A life of selfishness is a life of misery. And a life of selflessness leads to joy. So my challenge to you this week is to look for those who you can serve. Maybe it's making a meal for someone. Maybe it's just spending time with someone. Maybe it's giving money to someone in need. Don't miss out on the joy of being used by God to bless, to serve, and to encourage others. Because joy is found in relationship with God. Joy is cultivated by focusing on others. And thirdly and finally, joy is sustained by hope. Joy is sustained by hope. Now, I heard a story this week from... Alistair Begg. Alistair is a a Scottish minister serving in the US, and he tells the story about a man who came up to him after a speaking engagement and passed him a note. And this note said, Dear Pastor Begg, a friend was suffering through brain cancer and its treatments. His relationship with, with Jesus was such that the nurse who was looking after him wrote as a critical comment on his chart, Mr. X is inappropriately joyful. Since then, says the writer of the note, it has been my goal to be inappropriately joyful. Now, Mr. X was simply experiencing and putting on display what the Bible says to be true, that we can have joy even in the midst of suffering. For example, in Romans 5, we read, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, when this verse says that we rejoice in our sufferings, it's not saying that we rejoice for our sufferings. We don't say, woohoo, I'm suffering, this is great. You know, and plaster on a bit of a fake smile. It's not what it's saying. It's not calling on us to be sadistic. It's calling on us to be hopeful. Because even in the midst of suffering, we can know that we belong to God in Christ. That God is at work in our suffering. That suffering and pain will not have the final word, but God will. We can have hope. It's the same thing we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Our joy is sustained by our hope in Christ. Now many of you would be aware that earlier this year, Cheryl Twiddell was rushed to hospital with a large tumour on her brain. And Cheryl's in church this morning, which is just such, such a joy. Now, Cheryl Bryden and the kids have been part of our church family for, for many years. Bryden is one of our elders. 
Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, this was a massive shock for the family. And it was incredibly, incredibly difficult for them. But if you talk to Cheryl or Bryden, they will testify to God's strength and peace in the midst of the storm. Bryden said to me, he said, during Cheryl's surgery, I felt calm. I felt as if God was saying to me, she's in my hands, and whatever happens, it will be okay. Joy is sustained by hope. And there's nothing else in this world that can give us that sense of joy, even in the midst of that depth of sorrow. Joy is found in relationship with God. It's cultivated by focusing on others and it's sustained by our hope. So what's your next step today? It's not enough for us to talk about joy. How will you cultivate joy in your life? Maybe for you, you need to pay attention to your relationship with God. Maybe you need to confess some sin. You need to ask for God's forgiveness and you need to ask God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe you need to start to focus on others. The way to break free from miserable selfishness is by serving others. Who can you encourage? Who can you bless? Who can you reach out to? It's the path to true joy. Maybe you need to look to the future that God has promised you. Look to the hope that we have in Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, Joy is the serious business of heaven. It's my hope that you would not see joy as something nice but unnecessary, as an optional extra, but as a glorious necessity and as an exciting possibility. Because our God is the source of true joy. And Jesus came from heaven to earth so that we might enter into the joy of relationship with God both now and forevermore. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that for the joy set before him, Christ went to the cross so that we who were lost in our miserable selfishness and in the misery of sin might enter into the joy of restored relationship with you. Oh Lord, for those of us who have lost that joy, who have allowed sin to disrupt our communion with you, we ask and we pray, restore to us the joy of your salvation. Lord, fill us with that joy so that we might overflow and serve others. So that we might have our eyes fixed on the hope that we have in Jesus. So that we might become the people and the church that you are calling us to be. Overflowing with joy for the glory of your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond this morning by coming to Lord's Supper. And it's at Lord's Supper where we are reminded of what Jesus has done for us. He's gone to the cross in our place so that we might enter into